Now, Wendy and Jim have decided they're going to stay up here with me, but if they start making faces behind me, I'm counting on one of you to raise your hand and let me know. Um, just once it starts, somebody just let me know what's going on so that I can... Something. Um, well, I'm glad they're doing that part. It's right now that I start to get nervous about what's happening because I can't see them back there. Um, and you better behave. <laughs> um, I want to read to you from the book of Luke. If you have a copy of the scriptures, feel free to turn there. We're going to be in Luke chapter 8. If you don't, that's all right. Uh, the text should be on the screen for you. But I want to read a story that to some of you will be familiar. Uh, one of Jesus' teachings, one of the stories that he shared. Luke chapter 8, starting in verse 4. Here's Jesus' story. It says, One day Jesus told a story in the form of a parable to a large crowd that had gathered from many towns to hear him. A farmer went out to plant a seed. As he scattered it across his field, some seed fell on a footpath where it was stepped on, and the birds ate it. Other seed fell among rocks. It began to grow, but the plant soon wilted and died for lack of moisture. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up with it and choked out the tender plants. Still other seed fell on fertile soil. This seed grew and produced a, a crop that was a hundred times as much as had been planted. When he'd said this, he called out, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. He replied, you're permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of God, but I use parables to teach the others so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. When they look, they won't really see. When they hear, they won't understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is God's word. The seeds that fell on the footpath represent those who hear the message only to have the devil come and take it away from their hearts and prevent them from believing and being saved. The seeds on the rocky soil represent those who hear the message and receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they believe for a while, then they fall away when they face temptation. The seeds that fell among the thorns represent those who hear the message, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life. And so they never grow into maturity. And the seeds that fell on the good soil represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, and patiently produce a huge harvest. Throughout the scriptures, we find that Jesus loved to use stories in order to teach. Over and over again, we find that that's a regular pattern. And that often when he told these stories, that these stories might have multiple points or, or, or multiple ways in which they could be received, multiple meanings that were going on. We often have to think about the stories of Jesus, especially as, uh, as, as like a jewel, like a diamond or another fine jewel that, that when you turn it, you see another side of it. You see another image. You see another facet of what's going on. The colors change. And this story is much like many of the others. And we could pick a multitude of areas in which to focus on in order to understand and grasp what it was that Jesus was trying to teach. And, and I think that was always intentional. He wanted different people at different places and different points to be able to hear different things based on the story that they were hearing. We could take time and we could spend it on the soil. 
thinking about our own lives and what kind of soil are we? Are we are we fertile soil? What do we need to do to become a place that is ready for the fruit of the kingdom, the fruit of the gospel, the fruit of Jesus to come alive in us, to grow a, a harvest that is plentiful? We could also stop and spend time thinking about the secret. What's the secret that he's talking about? What's this idea that he communicates in parables and some understand and some don't understand? Why would he want it to be confusing? Why would he want it to be unclear? What is it that Jesus is trying to say? And we could spend time there if we wanted. There's a multitude of directions we could head. But this morning, we want to think about what it means to be the farmer in the story. What does it mean to be the one who sows seeds? The scriptures tell us that the church remained in the wake of the life of Jesus. So after Jesus had come and done all of these miraculous things, he left behind the church in order to continue the work of the kingdom. In Matthew chapter 28, the passage we often call the Great Commission, we know that it says we exist to make disciples. In Acts 1, a a passage, again, that that we've talked about a lot at Valley, it says that we're to do so everywhere we go, among our neighbors and the nations. We are to be people who are witnesses to the kingdom of God, witnesses to the work of Jesus, who are telling the stories and the works of what Jesus has done. And that part of what we do as we do that is that we tell our story. Everywhere we go, we tell our story. Last week, we gave you a worksheet. Of how you could prepare your own story, your story of interacting with, of meeting Jesus, and how Jesus is working to continue transformation in your life. We did it through four points, and I'm not going to do that all again. I just want you to know the worksheet is again in your bulletin. So if you have a copy of it and you lost last week, or you didn't get last week, or you thought about it and then you walked out of the building and you stopped thinking about it, it is intentionally there for you again. So that you can think about what would it look like for me to tell my story and to to synthesize that into a hundred or maybe two hundred words. So we've given you that worksheet again as a tool because we have been called to tell our story. To tell the story of Jesus meeting us on our journey. And the ways in which Jesus is continuing to work. We have been called to tell the story of Jesus. And when we tell our story, it's because we believe that those two stories have intersected. They have collided. And the story of Jesus has met the story of Chad. And now the story of Chad is different because Jesus has come in and changed it. This story of the farmer is an interesting story for me. Because Callie and I had lots of friends in Missouri who were farmers. Lots of folks who if they couldn't do it professionally, if they couldn't do it as their only career, they did it as a side job. One that always sticks out to me as I think about that is the guy who was the president of the bank who also farmed 1,200 acres in, on, in the, on the side. And he was talking to me about farming and educating me about how it worked. And I remember that everywhere that we looked, and whether we were at his land or at other lands, there were fields of corn and soybeans everywhere. This was a huge piece of their culture, of their environment. And I imagine that that as Kevin or as Dean or as other friends, as, as Paul would have heard these stories of these farmers, they would have thought, man, this farmer is incredibly inefficient. If someone were to teach this farmer how to farm today, they would teach him ways that were much more efficient and much more effective and, and much more valuable to get done what he wanted to get done. So much of modern day farming has been incredibly computerized. And many of us don't recognize that that's true. But, but my friend Kevin, who has this gigantic tractor, it also has a huge computer inside of it. 
And this computer he uses to program in where the field is. And the tractor drives itself. And the tractor knows where to plant seeds and where not to plant seeds. And apparently, even as he goes to spread fertilizer across these seeds, there are these, I think they call them booms, these big sticks is what it looks like to us lay people, that stick out of the back end of the tractor, that spread over the entire thing. And the computer system works so well that it knows which sprayer is over crops and which one is hanging out over the side in the area where there were no seeds planted. So the computer tells which sprayers to spray at certain times and which ones to shut off because if they spray fertilizer there, there's nothing for it to fertilize. It's been incredibly computerized. It's been made much more efficient and much more easy to do the job. I asked Kevin once, I said, well, Kevin, if all this has been computerized, what do you have to do? And he said, well, somebody has to change the radio station. Others have televisions in them and someone has to change the TV station or put it where it has to go. But so much of it has been made so efficient. And the reality is that modern day farming has in many ways damaged the story that Jesus was telling. Because Jesus' story was intentionally about inefficiency in farming. It was about inefficiency in sowing seed. It was about being incredibly inefficient in what you do. Last week, as we talked about the story, uh, or as we talked about telling our story, I shared with you a quote from Ruth Haley Barton. This is what it says. It says, the spiritual journey can be understood as the movement from seeing God nowhere or seeing God only where we expect to see him to seeing God everywhere, especially where we least expect to see him. Friends, leading others to Jesus Spreading the message of the gospel, sowing seeds is an incredibly inefficient work, and it's supposed to be. The work of looking for God at at work, where we expect him and where we don't, is incredibly inefficient. It's much more efficient to only look for Jesus at work where we expect Jesus to be at work. Our percentages of finding him are so much higher, and yet we have been called to inefficiently sow seeds. To sow the seeds of love and the seed of joy, the seed of peace and the seed of patience, the seed of kindness, of kindness, the seed of goodness, the seed of faithfulness, the seed of gentleness, the seed of self-control. What the scriptures call the fruit of the spirit. We have been called to plant seeds and to plant them incredibly inefficiently. Everywhere that we go, everywhere that we can, on ground that is ready and on ground that is not ready. And that we then have to trust God to do the work. God will bring harvests when and where God is ready to do so. Our job is to sow seed everywhere we go. One of the ways we've been talking about doing so is through the six simple steps. And and over the last five, actually six weeks because we skipped a week, but we've talked about five of those steps. We've talked about prayer. We've talked about the the step of celebrate and serve. We've talked about the step of radical hospitality. Last week, we talked about the step of telling your story. And this week, the fifth step is ask the question. Now, Doug, in his work in putting together this idea of six simple steps, he he uses kind of two versions of a similar question. Uh, What are your thoughts on Jesus? Or who do you think that Jesus is? Again, similar, but... Related, The story can be spread out in much broader ways of continuing to ask people, what is your understanding of Jesus? Who do you believe? What do you know about Jesus? Opportunities for us to make sure, even though difficult and scary, 
that we are taking that next step from telling our own story to telling the story of Jesus, that we're transitioning from this place of our story to Jesus' story, to Jesus' story that is told in the scriptures, the story that says that Jesus died, that Jesus was buried, that Jesus rose from the grave, and that then Jesus came and appeared again to that early remnant of the church that existed, those early disciples, those early followers that were with him. This question, these questions give us inroads in order to be able to sow the seed of what the Bible calls good news or the gospel. Jesus died, he was buried, he rose again, he appeared to the church. We tell the story and we trust that the seed lands where it needs. That it hits every piece of soil, that all the soil is different, that some is ready and some is not. But our job is not to pick and choose which soil we plant it on. Our job is to sow a seed inefficiently. Scattering it everywhere we go and believing that God is at work, that God will do the work that God needs to do. Our work in the partnership that we have been invited to with Christ is to remind people that Jesus died with us. Jesus died instead of us and that Jesus died for us. Every year we spend a ton of time working. We spend money. We spend time preparing. Because we believe that this week, this music camp, this Vacation Bible School experience, we believe that this is an incredibly effective way to inefficiently sow the seeds of the gospel. We believe that this week there will be families represented that represent every type of soil that Jesus talked about in his story. Those that are ready and those that are not. Those in which it will begin to grow and those in which it will be suffocated out. That every piece is there and that even some of that ground will be fertile and ready for a harvest. But not all of it. And yet this week we do not pick and choose. We do not decide where it goes and where it does and who is ready and who is not. We instead sow the seeds of the gospel as inefficiently as possible, making sure that each and every child, each and every family has the opportunity to hear that they are deeply loved by the Savior. That Jesus died, was buried, rose from the grave, and came again and appeared to the church and lives with the church and the presence of the church today. So the challenge that we have placed upon you, if you are here, if you're working, is that you find an opportunity to tell your story. Is that you find an opportunity to tell the story of Jesus. Is that you look for chances to ask the question, what is it that you understand about Jesus? What is it that you know about Jesus? What is it that you believe about Jesus? With the desire that we have this inroad to go from our story to Jesus' story. From our story, the story of a life changed, to Jesus' story, the story of a life that changes other lives. And as we prepare for that, as we get ready for that, we intentionally take time every year to make sure that we pray in a deep and committed way for people who are going to be a part of this week. We make sure that we intentionally spend time praying over each and every name, each and every family that will be represented. So in a few minutes, we're going to move to that place. We're going to move into that time. 
that time of prayer, that time of praying for children specifically by name. But before we get there, we want to give you the opportunity to do a couple of things. The first of them is to think about your own journey, about your own life. The first is to think about your answer to the question, what do you believe about Jesus? What is it that you know about Jesus, the Savior? Because we want you to understand that Jesus died and was buried. He rose from the grave and he came to live again among his people. We want you to know the story because we want the story to change your life. We want Jesus to change your life. Jesus has asked us over and over again to follow him. So as we take time and we sing some songs of worship together, we invite you to consider the work of Jesus in your own life, the story of Jesus and the ways in which it's interactive with your own life. And if this morning you come to the reality that you're not sure you have yet made that decision, then we want to invite you to choose to walk with Jesus. I'll be here and would be more than willing to visit with you about what that means. Because my guess is that you would have more questions. If you go, I don't know what that means. I don't understand. My guess is you have more questions. Completely appropriate. Let us have conversations about what that means and what that looks like. We also want to give you time. If if you do know and understand and have been transformed by the story of Jesus, we want to give you time to worship. Our Savior, to worship Jesus through the singing of songs together. So we're going to sing several songs together now. And we're going to enter into a time of worship through song before we move in to worship through prayer. Juliana, you can go ahead and come on up. And we invite you to take this time to listen to the call of Christ and then to move forward in what Jesus is calling you to do and how Jesus is calling you to move. And in a bit, I'm going to come back up. And then we're going to spend some time praying together. But first, let us worship the Lord through song together.